everyone. So we were freaking out about college and applications and didn't really know what we were doing. So we actually started a podcast club so that we could interview Mr. Egan and figure out what we need to be doing. Okay, welcome to the podcast, our first one. My name's Cameron. I'm Maria. Uh, I'm Ricky. I'm Mr. Turnbaugh. And we are here with Mr. Egan, the division head of the counseling department, if you want to introduce yourself further. Sure, thank you. Uh, Yeah, uh, Len Egan, division head for the counseling department, and I oversee all the counselors and all of the curriculum and different uh, things that the counseling department does uh, throughout the year, including, I know our topic today is going to revolve a little bit around college, so certainly college and career related things, um, a lot of that comes from our department. So excited to be here. I have a question. A lot of students are wondering when should they begin the process? Like what does the calendar look like for students who want to begin the application process for their schools? Sure, that's a good question. And I would say that if you're a senior, then uh, hopefully that process has already started. Uh, for underclassmen, the process should happen throughout high school. So I would say that freshman year is a lot of kind of exploring and figuring out school. And then sophomore year gets a little more into exploring some careers and starting to think about how your personality matches up to careers. And then as you get into junior and senior year is really when you start should start to think about what am I going to do after I leave this place, whether it's college or whether it's military or whether it's going to a certificate program or work or whatever it might be hope that's I would say the normal progression of a student through high school Um, but in terms of like the college application process certainly that should start um, for seniors over the summer before their senior year okay so then the next question would be how do you start because a lot of students don't even really know how to use common app or what it is so yeah it's a pretty intense process and I would say the easiest way to start is, well, like you guys are doing, talk to people that are involved in the process and and can help give you some tips. But you will want to start at each school, exploring each school's kind of websites to figure out their application. Every college that you apply to is going to have a little bit of a different application. Um, So you want to make sure that you understand like all the nuances of, like we were talking before the podcast, North Central College, their application looks very different from U of I's application. And so as, as you're the person who is applying to these schools, it's your responsibility to make sure that you understand all those differences and that you can make sure you submit everything that you need to to North Central and then at the same time submit everything you need to to U of I, even though it may be a totally different set of items that you have to submit. So how to apply, uh, really, you wanna spend some time talking to your counselor here Um, They definitely have a great wealth of information about helping students through this process every year, but then also just making sure that you spend some time on the school's website. Hopefully you have visited all the schools that you're applying to, and maybe you have some resources at the school as well within their admissions department or otherwise that you may be able to reach out to for help as well. I was as a follow-up question. I was wondering. There's actually something new this year. It's called Naviance. Naviance. Yeah, Naviance. Tomato, tomato. Yeah. What? How is that? Uh, how will that feature be helpful for students to kind of bring them into the process uh, in a way that uh, will alleviate some of these anxieties? Sure. 
So Naviance is a college and career kind of platform. And if anyone has used career cruising in the past, I would say it's similar to career cruising, but way better. So you can do all kinds of uh, career searches, inventories about yourself. You can do look for jobs. You can do resumes. You can do all kinds of college research, scholarships. All of that stuff will be housed in one location, and that will be your Naviance account. So it'll be a tool that students use here throughout their four years of high school that will hopefully, as students go through that process, by the time they get to senior year, all the information that they should need for a college application should probably be in Naviance. So you wouldn't have to access test scores in a different location or access your transcript or find out what careers you might want to do. It will all kind of be housed on that platform. So obviously this year it's a little bit of a transition because we have juniors and seniors who have never used the program before and now we're, we're kind of working through that process. Um, but it will, it will definitely be helpful and if I don't know if any of you have used it, but their college search tools are actually pretty nice to use and intuitive and they give you a good snapshot of each school and you can link directly to the colleges to do your applications. So, so it's like a supplement to Common App and whatever like schools you're applying to like through the website it's like to help just kind of send everything at once kind of like that yes okay yeah and so like you mentioned common app you can request everything in common app through naviance and okay. so we'll send your transcripts through naviance all the teachers will do their recommendations through naviance and and do any of the supplemental materials that you would need for common app um there's a little bit of um a procedure to follow to kind of sync up your common app with your Naviance accounts and we can mm -hmm. kind of help students through that process um, but yeah our intention is that this will make things much better for students over the next couple of years so really Naviance could be saving several steps in this application process and it kind of streamlines it that much more efficiently which is nice okay. certainly yep um you mentioned earlier that every school kind of has its its slight difference and nuance when applying so we know that Naviance helps us get started because like as mr turnbaugh said that it's all streamlined but speaking of every subtle difference between them i'm sure that picking too many schools just makes the issue even more so that brings us to our other question how many do you recommend a student should narrow down to so that the process is not as overwhelming so you know this is really going to depend on a number of factors i would say most students who are applying to four-year colleges should probably apply to four or five that's probably a good average number you should have probably one or two schools that you're kind of reaching for that you feel like you're not sure if you meet the qualifications to get in, but you would really love to go there. And then you should have maybe one or two schools also that you know for sure that you can get in there. Um, and then, you know, you can kind of fill that out, you know, with some options in between, but I would say four to five is a good number. If you get, I've had students in the past that have come to me with 15 or 20 college applications and, mm. and that's okay to do, but it's a ton of work. Yeah. And I think that those students a lot of times can do a little bit more on the search end mm -hmm. of narrowing down their search before applying um, instead of just applying to a bunch of schools. Cause it yeah. can get expensive too. So a lot uh -huh. of schools have application fees. So I would say 
in most situations, probably four to five schools is a good number. Speaking of application fees, like what are the average application fee, uh, and if and it, are there ways to work around as application fees as well? Sure. So on the low end, I mean, there's some schools that have no application fee, and you know, an easy way to get around application fees is most of the the reps that come here and visit, if you come to their session, they'll usually waive the fee for you to oh, apply to their school. Hmm. Um, and then on the low end, you have schools like College of DuPage, which I believe is $20 to apply to. On the high end, some of the um, more selective schools may be $75 just to apply. Okay. That's no guarantee of anything. Yeah. So, you, you know, that's another reason to kind of keep it in a manageable number. And there are some ways around that for students who have um, fee waivers at school or if they're on the free or reduced lunch program they can usually have their application fees waived at the college level as well and their counselor can help them with that speaking of fees is there a fee to send in your test scores like act and sat okay good question so as a part of your application you will have to send official test scores to whatever college you decide to go to and you'll have to send those test scores directly from ACT or directly from College Board for the SAT. And there is a charge for that. Uh, I think it's around $12 per mm. school. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The way to get around that is when you would take the ACT or the SAT, when you initially sign up to take that and you fill out all your demographic information, you can select up to four schools for your scores to be sent to automatically and there's no charge for that. Mm -hmm. But that requires that you have to kind of have an idea, yeah. junior year, what schools you're thinking about applying to. So not all students are ready for that. Or uh, you happen yeah. to forget, I'm sorry. Um, so I've done it already. So it's I think it's $11 for ACT, $12 for um, SAT. And it tell because I forgot, totally forgot which schools I picked. But if you go in, it will show you which ones you've sent it to and mm -hmm. then which in for in my case it was like oh i need to send it to a few more so you can like add onto it mm -hmm. and same thing applies for the students with free and reduced lunch or fee waivers is that college board and act will usually waive those fees too so um for like ap scores like let's say i know a lot of kids have get like ones or twos let's say on their ap test should they send those scores in too even if they don't pass Sure. Um, you know, some of those situations will probably come down to knowing the specifics of kind of like what class it was mm -hmm. and what their major is going to be. But I think in most cases, it's not det detrimental to send okay. your scores to a college. Um, they'll always look at your best test score. Like if you test once and you don't do well and then you test again, you do better. It's okay if they have both of those scores. With regards to AP, um, I think it does help in some respects to show the school that you did participate in the test mm -hmm. and that you did see that part of it through. And then also, you know, they'll be able to see from your grades how you did in the class. And I think sometimes schools will weigh the grades a little more heavily than a test score of a one or two, just because of the simple fact that it takes you 180 school days to earn that grade, mm -hmm. as opposed to four hours for one test. So mm -hmm. there is some perspective that schools will have to take on that. Um, but I would say that it's probably, in most situations, it's not detrimental to send your full complement of AP scores to your college. And just for a point of clarification too, uh, can you speak to the the uh, legislation that uh, allowed for okay. AP scores to be um, 
enforced sure. at, at the state schools in Illinois? Sure. So um, I believe it was two years ago, there was some legislation that went through indicating that students who earned a three or higher on AP scores um, had to be given college credit. When, the, when they selected a school and went to a school, they had to get some kind of credit for that score. So the type of credit that they get is kind of up to the university. So for example, if you got a three on a, I don't know, an English, an AP English, the U of I might look at that and say, congratulations, you got a three. We're gonna give you some credit in an elective area because we want you to take our English class. Mm -hmm. That could happen. Or they might say, great, you're gonna get uh, some credit for our introductory English class. So that will vary depending on the school, but a score of three or higher should net you some credit at the college level. So, I mean, that's, that's one big reason that I push students, even though it's $100 to take the AP test, if you if you think you can score fairly well on it, it's it's totally worth it. Because in translation, of yeah, right. In translation of that, a credit hour at, yeah, college, at a college level is hundreds of dollars. Could be so, six hundred dollars yeah, so or eight hundred. You're, you're talking about a really incredible return on investment in terms of time and money with that. So For sure, that's yes. one way of looking at it. For sure. Good. Um, so our next topic would be like recommendations from like teachers. So like how do like students that maybe aren't as like active with their teachers how do you, how do you decide who and like how many so um i'll start with your second question how many really it depends on the college so you really need to make sure that you know all the requirements of the colleges you're applying to some colleges don't want any and they will not read any if you send them other colleges want two or they say optional so you kind of it's part of your process of applying is making sure that you understand those requirements but then when you're trying to figure out who should write your recommendations, I would try to think about in your, in your years in high school, who are the teachers who got to know you the best or could best speak to your abilities? Um, in particular, if there's a teacher in the area that you're going into major in. So like if you were gonna major in English, you would maybe think about, maybe I should get one of my letters from an English teacher, you know, who probably could speak to my English my abilities in English class. Um, and then outside of that, it's, you know, it's really about which teachers you've built relationships with and probably can speak to the, your, your abilities as a student the best. Uh, just to follow up with that, um, is it a little too risky to ask a recommendation from someone who you had freshman year who you might have had a good experience in the class and it was a challenging class and you might there might not be as much of a personal relationship simply because of time do you think you should still put them down even if it's been two or three years yeah i would say if you feel like that's the teacher who can best speak to your abilities you could do that but what i would do is when you prompt the teacher and you ask them about writing a recommendation i would give them some information as well and say hey here are the things that i really enjoyed about your class this is the experience i had this is what really impacted me as a student and make sure that they know those things since those are kind of the, the factors that you would be looking for in your letter. And I would say also, you know, um, maybe Mr. Turbach could speak to this a little bit, but uh, I, would, I would definitely give your teachers at least two weeks notice to write a recommendation because oftentimes they, they have, they, you know, want to write really good letters and they want to make sure they have all the details perfect and, and that can be a, a, a process that takes some time. 
Okay, with the letters, what if you wanted to get a letter from someone who isn't one of your teachers? Because I know on Naviance, where you go to request the letters, they only have like teachers listed. Yeah, so you can request letters from a coach or from an outside, you know, if you have um, someone from your church or someone that you did community service with or a coach or whatever. Um, and those often, I believe, have to be uploaded directly to the school or to Common App. But okay. that can happen. Yep, certainly. Okay, next topic would be like application deadlines. So like when are like early decision, kind of that realm, and then like rolling, like what's the difference? Because I was kind of confused with that stuff too. Yeah, so there are a lot of different admissions timelines and it goes back to just knowing what like the timelines of your own school. But I would say for the vast majority of students, if you can get your applications in before Halloween, it's gonna give you the best chance of getting in. Most schools are going to have an early admission period where they may be a little bit more lenient on their qualifications if you apply early. And for most schools, that deadline is November 1st. So if you can apply by Halloween, before November 1st, get your stuff in, they may be a little more lenient on their um, requirements of getting in. After that timeline is when really they start to get an influx of a ton of applications and they can afford to be more selective. So the longer you wait, the fewer spots a school has. And so it's always better to kind of get those applications done as soon as you can at the beginning of your senior year between September 1st to Halloween. So I always, when I um, worked with my students on this, I always told them, you can't do anything for Halloween until your applications are done. Can't go out, can't have fun, can't get dressed up. So um, that that's the goal, I would say. Um, there are some other types of admissions, like there's an early decision that applies for some students, but I would say in those situations, like just talk to your counselor and figure out what might be the best for you. Okay. And then one of the final topics is like, besides all of like the recommendations, like outside of your transcript, how do you be like unique uh, for some colleges? Yeah, so this is this is a um, a tough one and a tricky one because obviously you want to stand out. Yeah. You want to be the person who, when they read your personal statement, they're they're like, oh, this this person could fit in here. I would say that there are some things that colleges definitely look for. They want to see that you are well rounded, and that you have a variety of experiences. So your academic record isn't the only thing that matters and certainly they want to make sure that you have some experiences where you give back or contribute to the school community in some way because as an admissions officer one of the questions that they have to think about is if i enroll this person what are they going to bring to our community to our school how are they going to impact us so um, they definitely are going to look at your academic record how well-rounded are you they're going to hopefully through your personal statement you can kind of give some story or some anecdotal evidence about your personality and kind of the person type of person that you are a situation that you encountered and overcame or something like that so they they can kind of see a little bit of your personality um, certainly if some colleges do an interview and that can be a good way to get to know more about you um, but some of the other little things that colleges may look for, especially if you're kind of on the borderline of being admitted, is they will look to see how appropriate your social media is. They will look you up on um, 
Instagram or Snapchat and kind of check that stuff, especially if you're a borderline student and they're determining whether to admit you. Um, also, something really simple that a lot of students don't do is make sure your email is appropriate, like your email address, <laughs> right? Like if you're sending something that's like, I love the party at gmail.com, it, it says something about you yeah. before you have even met anyone in the admissions office. So having a nice professional email with just your name or whatever is definitely something, those are little things that could make a difference for you in admissions that a lot of 18 year olds don't ever think about. So the college overlords are watching us. Yeah. <laughs> there's, no, there's no escaping their, their gaze. Well, yeah. probably not, yes. Um, but aside from that, you know, definitely, you know, they want to know your your aspirations too and kind of where you see yourself going in the future. And, right. and those are some things that could set you apart. And everyone has a different experience. So just you want to put your best foot forward and you want to um, talk about not only what you're going to do with your future, but how you feel like you can make a difference on that campus. Yeah, and then our final question would be like, what about the kids that kind of don't see college in their future for whatever reason, either that be financial, personal, what are like some other options if they feel kind of pressured to go on the college track? Sure, so um, there's, a, there's really a lot of different options. And I think more and more in society, it's hard to get um, a sustainable job without some kind of education past high school. So I, I try to encourage students to, you know, even if they're not going to go to a four-year college, like there's a ton of other opportunities that they could do and still have a very successful um, trajectory after high school. Especially like in this area where we live, there are a ton of um, employers seeking certificate type um, jobs right now. And a certificate would be a program that students would go to, like for example, a community college for maybe 12 months to 18 months, and they would take classes in a specific area, for example, maybe robotics, or in healthcare, or in welding, or in uh, cosmetology, and they would get specific training in an area and be able to start work right away. And that's with a year to a year and a half of training um, at a relatively inexpensive cost. So um, that's one option. Certainly, there are some students we have who go to the military. There are some students we have who go to work or take some time off after school. And you know, I would just encourage them, no matter what they're thinking about doing after high school, it's important for them to have a plan. They have to have a plan for something other than, I'm just going to hang out at home, play some video games, and figure it out. Okay? So that would be my advice. Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to add on about anything that we've talked about so far? No. I mean, for anyone who has questions or wants to chat more, um, College Career Center is open every day during lunch periods. There's always a counselor there who can chat with you. And uh, certainly you can see your counselor as well or stop in and see me and, and we're more than happy to help. And we want to make sure that everyone kind of, like I said, has that plan for what they're going to do after high school. So please seek us out. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, this podcast has been produced by Maria Genadakos, Cameron Liberio, and me, Ricky Plumley. We'd like to give special credit uh, for the music being produced by Joseph Valquette. 
Uh, and we'd also like to give a special thanks to Mr. Egan for giving us that wonderful advice on college and the whole process and making it much more easier to digest. Uh, further, if you have any ideas, just stop by in room 184 and email Mr. Turnbow or find one of us uh, during school if you've got an amazing idea or something that you think we should talk about that is of some interest. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll be back in a few weeks.